Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that it refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast form. May 12th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our one of two in the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. Absolutely convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time. And the good Dr. Scott Bradley in the house. Welcome, sir. Howdy, howdy, howdy. We are back live. It's uh, been a few days since we've talked to each other. I hope it's been a uh, not only eventful but a pleasant uh, time in your outings so i don't know it's if you've been reports. pleasant but it's been crazy busy the reports i've had as i've traveled to texas and did some constitutional share some peace officers association training uh, i met with a variety of people i went and met with the beaver county utah sheriff the new sheriff in town if you will uh, mr cody black and uh, we've been traveling around and doing a bunch of things i'm helping some people build some radio networks and i'm uh doing my normal IT day-to-day consulting and helping companies and businesses with their uh, IT and security. I'm working with my team to build websites and phone apps and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, And, of course, I'm on the radio telling the tale of Liberty, sir. So not too busy, I guess. Just normal, 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 right? Yeah. (laughs) By the way, yesterday we had Kelly Finnegan and Brian Rust of RustCoinandGift.com on the radio. And we talked about the Honest Money Report, as we always do every Thursday on your radio. And we talked about, you know, Donald Trump's three-word response. He was asked on CNN, what would he do to bring down rising costs? Uh, And he says, quote, drill, baby, drill. Um, Yellen says that the U.S. default on the debt ceiling would undermine the, quote, global economy. The Biden family received 10 plus million dollars uh, in foreign interest payments showing that they're for sale. Um, anyway, the Biden administration says 1.2 uh, million to Ukraine. That's a total of 36.9 billion to Ukraine so far. We talked about IRS agents now confirming that there's a massive exodus. State losing $29-plus plus billion in tax revenue. <laughs> it's just crazy as all get out, ladies and gentlemen. That's all happening. We thought we'd tell you about that. And that really brings up the question with Dr. Bradley. Um, there's an article in the New American called Why the Debt Ceiling Continues to Matter. It's a great article. We'll get into that in a second. But first, Donald's answer to the economy is drill, baby, drill. And, you know, they compare oil to liquid gold and everything else. And I think that's a step in the right direction to take care of our own affairs. And if we need oil, we better look at it domestically as opposed to depend on foreign communist leaders for oil. I get all that. And I don't disagree except to say unless you take on the real money crisis, 
the fake money created by the Federal Reserve, interest never ending, and take on the welfare programs, you're not going to gain any ground even if you drill. I mean, yeah, you're going to make yourself a little bit better positioned, uh, but you're just so far downstream from the real solutions, doctor. Well, you know, we can, I think, intrinsically and, uh, and, and empirically verify that the, uh, the year 1913 was a very bad year for this nation. Of course, we passed, well, they claim they passed the 16th Amendment, which gave access to the back pocket of every American. 17th Amendment, which destroyed the dynamic of the separation of powers and the sources the of critical power. check and balance. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And uh, the founding of the Federal Reserve, nothing federal about it, nothing reserved there. It was a private, it is a private banking consortium that is a for-profit organization that uh, does things for their own benefit. And they've been given the economy, the, uh, the whole United States economy, they control it. It's an absolute scandal. It's, uh, it's diabolical. It's destructive. And since that period of time, we can watch all of these incredible increases in, in uh, debt in the United States. The money is created out of thin air. We have testimony of Mariner Eccles, for example, about what he's told before the, the House committee that, uh, that uh, interrogated him about it. He was chair of the Fed. Oh, yeah, we just, uh, we just created it. It's an entry, you know, on a ledger. Nowadays, they don't even need to write it down with a pencil. You push a button on your computer. And, and we can see the demise of the U.S. dollar's purchasing power for all of these years that has happened. And uh, this ongoing uh, national debt thing, the admitted national debt that we've got, I mean, there's some really interesting, absolutely asinine uh, things being kicked around by the likes of Biden and his crew uh, about using the 14th Amendment to justify his continual profligate spending without any... Uh, compliance by Congress in violation of the Constitution, of course, and Article 1, Section 7, and, you know, Article 1, Section 9, you know, just little things that should get in their way but don't. I mean, we have absolutely lost our minds. But, you know, the drill, baby, drill thing, I mean, we know oil is, I mean, if you don't have the kind of the lubrication that keeps society moving, whether it's transportation, whether it's heating and lighting, whether it's uh, the economic engines that are out there. I mean, air, oil's in almost everything. I mean, you're walking on it right now, or maybe you're sitting there with your feet on carpet. But the fact of the matter is we deliver everything with petroleum. And, uh, and we have uh, – oh, let me just use, let me just take a little side trip here, it, but it fits. You've seen lately that the uh, Arab League re-welcomed Syria back into their uh, arms. And, wow, how'd that happen? We can go into that at great length if you want. But, but uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia have hugged and kissed, and they're all made up. And what's going on behind this? Well, it's the uh, uh, overtures made by Communist China. And their star is ascending, if you will, in the Middle East. The United States star is probably obliterated by now, but, but it's descending. And what we have is these oil-rich countries uh, that are run by absolute despots are our chief source of our economy, if you will, everything that lubricates keeping the economy running. And so here we are, a nation that has absolutely more than enough reserves to do everything we need internally 
without ever looking to any of these people that hate our guts overseas. And the Chinese are more and more and more uh, in bed with them, if you will. Of course, Joe Biden's in bed there, too, and that's another discussion we could have. But the fact of the matter is we're becoming more and more and more dependent upon these very questionable sources. You know, the Straits of Hormuz. I mean, come on, people. Don't you know what a choke point we have over there? And, and so, yeah, we got to fix the uh, economy. And, yes, indeed, we got to go back to honest money. The American founding fathers understood So I think Trump's that. right, though. We do need oil at the core of everything in modern society. There's no doubt about all that. And you even need it to make uh, computer chips and everything, uh, transport everything depends on it. He's right about that. But look, we're foolish if we think that oil can be the, you know, petrodollar can be as stable or as strong backing our dollar by oil and by forcing countries around the world to take our, quote, currency or trade in our currency. That's a lie. We need to move back to constitutional currency or no matter what we do, um, we're just going to be forever running and, and never catch up. Yes, it'll help. It's a good move. Um, to be energy independent, to, to deal domestically uh, with this. I mean, it's a good move, drill, baby, drill. I mean, I don't disagree at all with the point. What I'm disagreeing with, though, is when you when you stop there and don't tell the rest of the story, um, you're derelict in your duty. You neglect reality. Um, you cannot gain ground as long as interest exists, as long as you can create money out of thin air, and as long as you can go ahead and, and um, uh, force people around the world to do your bidding. I mean, these are all failure plans for liberty they're all success plans for tyranny indeed and in fact we're actually going uh in even uh, to more dangerous waters Uh, when you talk about the central bank digital currencies that uh, everybody's talking about is going to be the latest rage and uh, and that removes even farther from reality what the uh, power to coin money intended when the American Founding Fathers wrote Article 1, Section 8, Clause 5. Uh, go back and look at it. It has to do with stamping precious metals. And the Coinage Act of 1792 established what the dollar was, 371 and a quarter grains of silver. I mean, these things are what defined our stability and our strength. It kept these scoundrels from being able to create money out of thin air. And in fact, the American Founding Fathers had had experience with what they call writs. I mean, you can read about writs in Article 1, Section 10, about how uh, states can't do that. But in August of 1787, in the Philadelphia Convention, uh, they debated whether or not they would allow the United States government to create paper money, unbacked paper money. And and the discussion uh, was very pointed and they, they voted on it and said, no, we're not going to. In fact, one delegate, I believe he was from Delaware, Reed, I think was his name. Anyway, he said, if we allowed that issuance of unbacked paper money, it would be as dangerous as the mark of the beast, spoken of in the book of Revelation. These kind of things were Boy, well how do you understood. Was that prophetic, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you that right now. And now they're talking about raising the debt ceiling. And I think Kevin McCarthy and crew has already have already caved on this. Can you skip this break real quick? Excellent. Thank you. Why the debt ceiling continues to matter. This does matter. They want you to believe it doesn't matter because they want you to believe they can just manage this till the cows come home. But at some point, they're going to lose control of this, doctor. Well, they already have. I mean, I got news for you, Sam. This stuff, we're in a death spiral right now. I mean, economically, I mean, politically, morally, I mean, how do you want to define it? But the fact of the matter is, um, we, uh, here's the deal. They have, futzed around with this thing for months. 
I mean, we ran out of money uh, first of the year. I mean, we, the debt ceiling was. Well, we ran uh, out of money in 1933 when the country was well, declared right, bankrupt. Right. You're, you're but right. That's a whole other topic. But but thirty one dot four trillion dollars was the debt ceiling that they artificially set some time before that, and they keep bumping it up and bumping it up. But they've yeah, been they've doing done it a hundred and four times since nineteen forty four. Did you know that? I did not know one hundred and four. I'll have to remember that. The fact of the matter is one hundred and four since forty four is the way you can remember. Okay, a mnemonic scheme. Anyway, that's uh, help us to, a memory scheme. Anyway. So here we have uh, what we've done. We've been fiddling around with this. Nobody's done anything. Uh, and uh, there's been no recognition of the anything except for the fact, hey, they're going to they're gonna raise it. They're going to bump it. Now, there's been some Republicans in, in the, the House that have said, we're not going to bump it without some, uh, some you know, cutbacks. A concession. All they want to do yeah. is uh, they'll cut back to what they were spending a few months ago. People... We were out of control then. I mean, if something was <laughs> good sure. under Obama, it was horrible for all of us. I mean, come on. And so they're going to fiddle around with this. The Treasury's saying Well, some are saying probably. just go ahead and default. The sooner the better. Uh, it'll show them that they can't spend forever. Others are saying, no, just print a coin and pay it or, you know, mint a coin and pay it all off. If they created it out of thin air, we can abolish it out of thin air. Um, yeah. Some are saying neither of those plans will work. And my plan's a little different, Dr. Bradley. I don't think we should crash the plane. Either of those plans, in my opinion, would crash the plane with horrific results. I think we ought to basically open up competing currencies in America. Uh, I think good money will drive out bad money over time. I think we can start with Rand Paul's penny plan to say let's just start cutting, uh, not just we were going to raise it this much, we won't raise it so much, so we're going to lie and call it a cut. I'm talking about real cuts, and you start uh, with a penny plan, and then over one, two, three, four, five, six, ten, you know, you start ramping ramping up the cuts to become greater and greater and then you really work on only spending constitutional justifiable provisions money everything else that's not constitutional eventually doesn't get funded but i believe you could do all these things and and it might take you know 10 15 20 30 years uh, but you could deal with a lot of this you could pay off the debt with um you couldn't do it all at once because it would be a disaster you'd take all the money out of the society at one time but you could slowly but surely pull out this fake funny money you could slowly but surely ratchet down uh, the debt, paying pieces of it off at a, at a whack. You could do a trillion dollars at a time. Hey, we're going to create a trillion dollar coin and pay that off. Uh, there's ways that, that you could back out of this and not crash the plane is the point. Well, I absolutely believe that uh, we got into this over many years. It will probably take us many years to get out of it. One of the big concerns I really have of, of people of conservative mind, again, I despise the term conservative. It's been co-opted is clearly misunderstood, but but most of the people in the audience know how Rush Limbaugh used it and Sean Hannity uses it and everything else like that. So we'll use that term for a while, for lack of a better term, without having to really clearly explain ter definition of terms. Okay, so most conservative people are really impatient. Most of us want it, we want it now. We go to God and we say, give us patience and give it to us now. Fact of the matter is, so many times we would do precipitous things that would absolutely destroy. Now, there's been times in our history, like for example, back in the Andy Jackson days, when he shut down the Federal Reserve of his day by vetoing the reauthorization bill to establish it again. Uh, Nicholas Biddle threw a big temper tantrum. He was the Janet Yellen of the time, if you will. Uh, the economic temper tantrum, it, it shook the economy, and there were 
uh, a lot of a lot of people got put in a tough situation, but it it hadn't been epidemic or endemic for so many years that it absolutely tore the guts out of the country as it would today, um, and and so they they shook it off and the nation stood up, dusted itself off, and went forward, and became more happy and more prosperous than it had been in the past. But what we've done today, and, and a lot of conservatives are going to say. Bradley, you're all wet. We've got to shoot this thing in the head. Just like you talk about taking the airplane in for a landing. If this hijacker is at the controls and you shoot him in the head, your plane is going to crash. You've got to figure out a way to wrest the controls away from it. You've got to regain you know, your altitude and all your bearing and, and your approach to your runway and all that kind of stuff. And ultimately and finally bring the plane in for a successful landing. So it is going to probably take time, but we've got to start making those overtures. We cannot. I'm going to make a prediction. What will happen? We'll get up close to June 1st when the Treasury says, with all the tricks of their trade, they have gone as far as they can. We're going to what, default. Less than three weeks now, by the way, right? It's almost just two weeks. Today's the 12th of, of May. But they're saying the 1st of June, with all their trickery, they're going to go on as long as they can without doing anything. And then, oh, my goodness, everybody's going to wring their hands and, oh, throw their hands up in despair and say, okay, 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 we'll raise it. But trust me, we're going to do something else. They haven't even been doing something else since January, let alone in the 50 years that they've been making this mess. Okay. Well, and here's so, a real point that people need to understand. Right now they want you to believe that the House needs to work with the Senate, and they got to work that out, and then they got to work with the President, and the President's saying, look, you're not doing any cuts. There's going to be no concessions. Uh, McCarthy's already agreed we're not going to touch the Holy Grail. We're not going to touch, you know, um, charitable programs is what they like to lie. The entitlements. They all the entitlements. Entitlements is yeah. what they are. They're not charity at all, but that's the way they try to pitch it. Uh, they're dishonest uh, entitlements, forced distrib redistribution of wealth. Um, but what the House needs to understand is they could instantly solve this problem, and they could simply say we're only going to look at constitutional bills. We're going to fund every constitutional provision in the government. We're not going to fund anything else. It's that simple. And they don't need to depend on anybody else. They can simply pass those bills and say, President and Senate, you got a job to do. We're backing and funding everything constitutional, everything legitimate, uh, and we're not going to back anything else. So you can say there's no concessions, but you know what? You can either move forward keep the government running or you cannot that's up to you we've already done our job we're in charge of spending and budgets and that's the constitutional way and we've already done our duty now it's up to you and if all 435 members of congress stood together on this or even enough republicans 200 plus of them they could carry the day with this being the the narrative in the media they could win this thing because they control the purse strings go look at your supreme law of the land if you don't believe me um but they won't do it because they're liars and deceivers, and they're not, they don't have the guts. But they could do this, couldn't they, Doctor? Well, Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution outlines exactly what needs to happen. It explains the bill-passing process. All financial bills deal, you know, the spending of money, uh, start in the House. The House passes them. You're right. The House has the purse strings. But they do go to the Senate. The Senate can, they can amend they probably will because they got fat cats there that are going to take stuff home to their but home. But all you've got to do if they amend is just say, we're not accepting your amendments. We're not going to work on that. Here it is. Well, that's, that's the issue is that if the Senate amends, it goes back over to the House, and the, the House says, the heck you say. We are going yeah, we've to. We've already given you what we're going to give you. 
And, and so then they take it out and pass it again. They send it back to the Senate. The Senate puts it back in. This is called gridlock today, but that's how the system was to work. There was nobody taking over the airplane. It was something that was bound by the written binding words of a contract called, it's a compact, an agreement uh, called the United States Constitution. And so the House passes, the Senate modifies, the House repasses. The bill that passes has to go identical to both houses and be approved. Then it goes to the president. President either approves or disapproves. He cannot pick and choose. There is no line item veto either tacitly or in in writing. It's a sign nor, nor do we endorse giving him one. No. Oh, holy cow! Let's talk about that. I want that to be very clear. Sometime. We do not endorse giving one. We do not believe in the line item veto. The president votes up or down. If he rejects it, then it's DOA unless they have enough in the House and the Senate to override the president. Right. That is correct. The president president is not has no creative power in this thing. It's an all or nothing. And he has an oath. He takes an oath to carry out the laws that are passed. Okay. And of course, that's the. I mean, there's hundreds probably. I, I haven't counted them, but hundreds of reasons probably that that Biden should be impeached and removed from office. He should be impeached, convicted, and removed from office, and then charged with with crimes that it, you know have civil penalties. And we could talk about that at length. But the fact of the matter is, this border nonsense that we've got going right now absolutely is dereliction of duty in the executive branch. And so uh, he's not carrying out his job. But this is the way it works. And people got to play hardball. This is not a kumbaya, uh, you know, collegial kind of world that we're in. This There were supposed to be pushback. And that's how we were to retain it. They, the people in office have a constitutional responsibility and a constitutional power to push back when things are overbounded. And we're way overbounds right now. It will take time to correct it. I would love to see a single bill come out of, well, maybe 200 bills because we should be putting them based upon their individual merits on the things that are passed. But let's just say a package come out of the House that is constitutionally sound, goes to the Senate, gets constitutionally sound there, and then goes on to the president. The president passes or vetoes it or, or signs it, and then we remove the president from office if he is totally, completely, unequivocally dedicated to destroying this nation. And he is. I mean, we, whether it's the payoffs that him and his family are taking, whether it's the absolute bizarre mess that we've got going on at our southern border right now, absolutely, it's an invasion. It's an absolute invasion, and the executive is not taking protective steps. And some states may get to the now point Now, that alone, say, in hey, my opinion, is criminal treason, though. When you start to let the border leave like a sieve, you start to let all kinds of people. They're not even literally checking anybody out or investigating people's past or history. They're just releasing them into the interior of the country. That alone could be considered partnering with terrorism, doctor. Oh, if we're not getting sleeper cells established all across this nation, I would have. It's like... Who the heck is in charge of China? Or what other country wants to destroy us? I mean, these guys are, it's a perfect storm for them. They're saying, look at this. They're not vetting anybody. And and here we got these sanctuary cities like New York and Chicago. And they're all saying, oh, we can't take any more. Please don't send any more of these but people. But to not like, vet people cow. at the border, but make sure that Sam Bushman can't have a bottle of water on the plane or something like that is just absolute insanity. It just proves they want to literally harass uh, and create tyranny in America. The citizens are all under siege. They don't have any liberty. Uh, but the illegals and the, and the criminal faction free to roam about the cabin, right? 
Well, it's more than that. I mean, I can't even, you know, they, they, if I go to the blue shirt Nazis, uh, the Nazis, Gestapo, I don't know what I want to call them, uh, the TSA people, unconstitutional agency looking there. Anyway, if I go there and I try and show them anything but my driver license or my passport, I can't get on a plane. But an illegal can get on with a ticket that they were given at the border. Come on, people. You're darn right. That's the psychosis that we find ourselves in, ladies and gentlemen. There are um, answers, though. There are solutions. We'll talk about all that coming up with Dr. Scott Bradley. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Check out freedomsrisingsun.com, will you? Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Lance Pry. Now that Title 42 expired last night, police in southern border towns are sounding the alarm about the current illegal migrant surge. West Texas DPS Regional Director Jose Sanchez says the situation is a disaster and the Biden administration is to blame. If you're talking about two years of knowingness, what were you doing during the two years? Why are you waiting till now? on D-Day of the end of Title 42 to start deploying resources and coming up with a plan. Sanchez says he hasn't gotten any help from the feds and worries there may be civil unrest soon. I'm Dave Collins. The Florida Attorney General says a federal judge in Florida has issued a temporary restraining order that will prohibit the Biden administration from releasing any illegal immigrants crossing the border for the next two weeks. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody tweeted the news last night. Earlier Thursday, the Department of Homeland Security said that without the release policy and other measures, there could be 45,000 migrants in custody by the end of the month. As of yesterday, there were more than 28,000 in custody. An appeal is expected. Daniel Penny, a U.S. Marine veteran who held homeless street artist John Neely in a fatal chokehold when Neely began threatening passengers on a New York subway, has surrendered to police to face a second-degree manslaughter charge. An arraignment is expected this afternoon. Top Pentagon officials are warning of the impact a debt default would have on the U.S. military. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin testified before Congress yesterday and said a default could put troops' pay in danger and benefit China, America's biggest adversary. He added that defaulting on the nation's debt would put the U.S. reputation at substantial risk around the world. His comments come as Democrats and Republicans remain deadlocked over how to raise the debt ceiling and avoid a default by early June. I'm Skip Kelly. Today is National Limerick Day as we celebrate English poet Edward Lear. USA News. I'm Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I learned about atrial fibrillation the hard way. My symptoms would come and go. Shortness of breath, fatigue. I kept going. Then I got so lightheaded, I couldn't. My doctor said I have AFib, so I'm about five times more likely to have a stroke. Other symptoms, irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain can come and go, but the risk of stroke stays. If you have symptoms, tell a doctor. Visit notimetowait.com. Sponsored by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Finding great people to hire can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Their powerful matching technology delivers so many qualified candidates, it's like finding a needle in a needle stack. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. For less hay and more needles, head to ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. At ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. 
promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. FreedomsRisingSun.com is website for incredible commentary, his collegiate series, and more. Check it out, FreedomsRisingSun.com. So, Dr. Bradley, the debt ceiling will get raised. Kevin McCarthy, in my opinion, has already started from a, a uh, uh, coward position. Oh, we're not going to touch anything, but, you know, we passed this House bill that they know full well the Senate won't go for. They know the president won't go for. The president's saying, look, I'm not going to accept your uh, playing games of shenanigans, pass it or else. Hey, shut down the government, take the blame, wimp out, and eventually pass it. That's the president's position right now. But Kevin McCarthy, whether it's the border, whether it's finances, what he doesn't, in my opinion, see things correctly at all. And I'll give you an example of this. Headline from Kevin McCarthy says this when he emails me. He says, Sam, should I put you down for option one or option two? Yeah, it sounds like the Hegelian dialectic, doesn't it? Anyway, then he says this. I know where I stand. As long as I am Speaker of the House, there will be no amnesty for illegal immigrants. Now, why they call them immigrants instead of aliens is interesting because illegal alien makes sense. Illegal immigrant, um, I don't really know what an immigrant is except for immigrants, a good word. Aliens, a bad word, right? But they manipulate this till the cows come home. But what he wants to know is, Sam, are you for amnesty or against? Are you going to go along with Kevin McCarthy and, 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 and reject amnesty? Or are you going to go along with, you know, bringing the illegals into the country? And I say, you know what? That's a clown question, Dr. Bradley. This this forced, you know, 100% all or nothing or uh, amnesty or not, the whole thing's a lie. I feel way different about somebody as a kid who came to America as a little kid, didn't have a choice to come or not, grows up in America. They may be illegal uh, but, hey, they've lived a good life. They're here. That's all they know because they came when they were young, uh, not on their own recognizances, if you will. But I feel way different than that versus somebody that comes in from communist China over our southern border uh, and has not been vetted. We can't treat everyone the same. The circumstances aren't the same at all. And to pretend we can just go yes or no is the great divide lie, doctor. Well, there's so much more to this question than than we certainly have time to discuss. But the fact of the matter is, I wouldn't call them illegals or aliens. I mean, I would call them invaders. Uh, and that's basically what we're dealing with at this time. A great portion of them, a very high percentage of them, are military-aged young men, whether they're coming from Asia, Asia or the Middle East or, or Mexico or Central America. You know, they, they've got categories. They do OTMs other than Mexicans. And we've got a huge influx of OTMs. fact of the matter is we have the most... Uh, generous uh, immigration laws in the world and, and we have a standard and that standard is the law the executive has the responsibility to carry it out now you talk about amnesty back in 1986 86 was a bad year for a lot of reasons i mean think about the the uh, vaccine uh, hold harmless all of the manufacturers and everything like that all this happened in 86 under ronald reagan ronald reagan claims he kind of got told some bad data and, and uh, fell for it uh, I think it was deeper than that but the fact of the matter is that's what happened he signed an amnesty back in 86 I don't remember the numbers exactly but they thought there was something like three or two or three million I think they ended up somewhere between five and seven million everybody the dog came out of their woodwork saying wait 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 over here me too me too I get to have uh, automatic citizenship when we set that standard we said 
they're going to do that again. Everybody in the world knew that it, we were going to cross that border again. And by the way, I think it really, I mean, I don't know if it can absolutely be said it started then, but Teddy Kennedy in 1965 was very heavily involved in this lowering the bar, setting a standard of, uh, of invasion. And, and so this goes back a long time. Again, we've got problems. I would not be a bit shocked to say we have 60 million illegals invaders in the country right now and uh, the law needs to be applied as was created as the most generous uh, immigration naturalization rules in the world and we just need to say no more not again not ever we're going to fix it let's get everybody home let's get them applied for their uh, uh, coming into the country let's get in line let's do this the right way and it's just not going to happen with the current uh, bozos and uh, baboons and uh, buffoons that we've got running this country, uh, the three Bs. And yeah, and so here's, here's how bad it is. NBC host, uh, a news host, actually asked um, if anyone will be able to, quote, police what Tucker Carlson says on his new, quote, Twitter program. Uh, is this the point? It's just a free-for-all, they say. So they literally believe that someone should be policing the free speech of Tucker Carlson and or Elon Musk here. Elon Musk launches a new Twitter encrypted messaging, but in the same breath, he says, don't trust it yet. Um, but the bottom line is, look, they, they literally think, hey, we've got to have somebody please free speech. We've got to have a gatekeeper. And they say this on these mainstream programs with a straight face, doctor. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they're, it's been so long since we've had an honest media. I mean, there's some rare exceptions. I mean, I think you try to stand with uh, whatever you have to say to stand with the truth, but it's a rare, rare, rare occasion. I get my uh, so much of my information I take from multiple sources around the world, literally. And, and as yes. a general broad brush statement, I think that many nations around the world have a much freer uh, uh, environment for speech and press. press sure. uh, but here, I mean, it, the problem, I mean, just look back at what uh, I think was ABC did an interview with uh, with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, here's a, a an announced presidential candidate uh, running on a mainstream ticket, if you can call the Democrats that, and, uh, and uh, they censored him. He started talking, uh, oh, no, no, he's got a dialogue here that's counter to what our sponsors want us to say the Pfizer's the Moderna's the you know these big mainstream uh, money-mongering uh, pharma companies they have bought and paid for the airwaves for their own personal use and and ABC and well all of the people all of the the big media understand that if they don't toe the line they lose bazillions of dollars and so they they censored well, a and, you, and you bring candidate. up honesty is the issue. They're censoring presidential candidates. They tried to have Donald Trump on CNN. It backfired spectacularly. Um, at the CNN town hall, they said to this, President Trump, will you accept the 20, oh, or 2024 election results? And Trump said, if I think it's an honest election, I'd be honored to. And then they basically say, now Donald Trump goes completely off the rails um, at the uh, town hall meeting or whatever because they don't like his responses. 
And the problem with this whole discussion, in my opinion, is that I don't think Donald is um, the guy that I want for president necessarily. However, now all the conservatives are saying, look, it turned out to be the kill shot for CNN. Uh, Bahingo, or however you say this guy's name, makes bold prediction. Command performance said to ensure one name will be the 2024 um, election winner. Peter LaBarbera at WND.com wrote this piece. Last night, CNN thought it was going to be, and this is a couple nights ago now, but last night, CNN thought it was going to be the kill shot for the Donald, but it turned out to be the kill shot for CNN. CNN just boosted Trump. Even Ben Shapiro says that. Um, so I got to find this fascinating. Where are we going to go with this? Is Donald going to be a shoe-in for the presidency? Uh, uh, that's that's what a lot of people are saying. I mean, uh, the, in fact, some of the polls say he's so far ahead of the one that they consider to be his most probable uh, opponent, uh, DeSantis. But but I, I honestly... I think it's it's one of those um, uh, it's a it's a common core educational question. Would you rather be hanged? Would you rather be dragged behind a truck until you're dead? Would you rather be stabbed or shot? Well, the real answer is none of the above. That that what's happening right now is one of these Hegelian dialectical kind of things that you talk about sometimes. Yeah, it's kind of like Kevin McCarthy saying, which camp are you in, amnesty or none? Exactly. And it's like, no, uh, I would like to see a a very viable, uh, reasonable, uh, principles-based kind of solution that will help save the nation instead of all of the arm-waving that's going on right now. I mean, I got to admit, Trump poured him back in the bottle the other night. I mean, it, it really was fascinating to see what happened. But but I think an open uh, discussion that the people of the nation could hear and, and not be censored on. I mean, I think about the Lincoln-Douglas debates. I think about the Kennedy-Nixon debates. These kinds of things of the past were opportunities for people to say, Hey, can you go no. ahead and skip this break too, Cam? Thank you. Keep going, Doctor. Oh, man, we got uh, all sorts of... Uh, open air time here going but no i i think that now always 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 i come back to this it's we the people that are responsible for the type of government we have that was the responsibility from the that is the bottom line ladies and gentlemen i don't know if trump's going to be a shoo-in for 2024 or not you know remember there's election dishonesty everywhere Uh, they can play games they can build somebody out of a nobody to a household name literally through the media they can take your household name and destroy it in seconds uh, as well, for example, Donald Trump sued the New York Times, uh, and bottom line is he sued. He lost, and he was ordered to pay the New York Times legal expenses. Donald claims to be a self-made billionaire, but they mock him and say, "Nope, he got a half a bill from his father to get started. He's not a self-made million- billionaire at all." Uh, you know, so you got that going on. You got Elon Musk making a big old threat to National Public Radio, saying, "Hey, if you don't use your Twitter handle." And you don't start tweeting again, we're going to give it to somebody else, a dictatorial move to say the least. Uh, Shopify is cutting 20% of their workforce, so the economy is melting down. But this is an interesting um, AFA.net, the American Family Association, emailed me a pretty good uh, thing that's uh, important. They says, why is this fight so important for our nation's survival? 
As our first president, George Washington, said in his 19, or, I'm sorry, 1796 farewell address, the, all the dispositions and habits in which do we have political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Um, he's right about that. And then he says this. This is Tim Wildman, AFA. I confess that when I consider the spiritual decline of America in recent decades, I'm tempted to feel discouraged, even hopeless. But then he repents and says this. But once I heard a preacher say that for the Christian, despair is sin. I believe that you know why. Because despair excludes God from the equation. It denies Job's declaration and others made by Paul. And then they, he goes on and says, look, it's godless to be hopeless. It's godless to end up in despair. We must have hope in God. Anyway, a brilliant point, I thought, Dr. Bradley. We come back to this solution so often because I believe it really truly is the solution that uh, the nation needs. It's the it's the solution the nation was founded on to begin with. I mean, you know, in, in the name of God, amen. I mean, the the, the uh, Mayflower Compact, those are the first words. I mean, these guys were making a compact, a, a covenant, if you will, with each other to do certain things. And uh, they included God in that. It was a kind of a three-way agreement, if you will, right from the very beginning. The uh, Americans that came here wanted to do these things for the right reasons. The the uh, uh, days of fasting and prayer that happened through the Revolutionary War, the uh, general orders that were issued by George Washington at the behest of Congress. I mean, we I, I, we could we could use this all through history. I mean, I've uh, it's fascinating to me. Um, you know, the, you hear about General George Patton and his, you know, he was the cussing general, if you will, and, and uh, he was colorful in his language. He was probably the best scriptorian of all of the American uh, senior leadership. Yeah, I mean, he usually looked at the scriptures probably as a military strategy, but but he read the scriptures, and, and when the Battle of the Bulls was going poorly, he had his chaplain write, oh, there was probably well over a third of a million postcards that were sent out to his troops about supplicating God on things. I think I think uh, countless American moms prayed their boys home from World War II. Amen. We There's no question about it. Now, I want to give you something that I really think is critical to end this hour on a positive note. This is actually a very cool story. <clears throat> there is a gentleman. Let's see if I can get this right here. Do you know who Harrison Butker is? I don't. All right. He happens to be a, a chief or Kansas City Chiefs kicker. And he played for Georgia Tech in college. The guy is a hero, and he just came out with an interesting, interesting article. Uh, we saw it in the Deseret News. My wife found it for me, by the way. Uh, Kelsey Dallas wrote the piece, but here's what it says. This NFL kicker says his wedding ring matters more than his two Super Bowl rings. Kansas City Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker um, told about marriage, loneliness, and the true measure 
of success during his commencement speech for Georgia Tech. Let's play this piece in that folder, Cameron, and we'll talk about it. All right, while Cameron's getting that, uh, Butker, this kicker, he played for Georgia Tech in college. He presented marriage and parenting as the anecdote or anecdote to today's loneliness crisis. While admitting the advice was controversial, he urged graduates to focus on finding a spouse being more important than achieving financial success. He talks about his confidence. Here he is. I am someone not much older than all of you, yet I've been asked to speak, not because I am a great orator or because I have a number of impressive accolades. Well, I guess I do have two Super Bowl rings. I just happen to be blessed by God to be really good at kicking a funny-shaped ball between two yellow posts. So as someone who is not paid to speak for a living, I'm about to pop off some hard truths. I don't care if you have a successful career. I don't care if you have a big bank account or you fly private. Many of you in this crowd will achieve these things. Some of you maybe already have. But in the end, no matter how much money you attain, none of it will matter if you are alone and devoid of purpose. As someone raised in a family of overachievers, success was expected. And as a young man, I found happiness in being celebrated for my worldly achievements. My inner desire to be celebrated manifested academically through long hours of studying and, of course, riding the curve. That desire was pushed further by the many successes I attained playing here on the flats. All of you are here today because you are smart, capable, and hardworking people. But if we're being honest, the world is filled with miserable, smart, capable, and hardworking people. There are too many examples to list of people who have achieved great worldly success and fleeting happiness, but in the end are unfulfilled. Now don't get me wrong, I want you to be successful, but this isn't so much about your career as it is using your talents, being your best, fulfilling the potential you were created for. It is said, What's done in the darkness will be brought to the light. This is a powerful reminder to us all that our actions matter, whether they're seen or not. Some of the most important people who have ever lived remain unknown, and their stories have yet to be told. But they still used their God-given talents to do great things and change the world. What a profound example to be motivated by our purpose rather than the current spotlight of the world. For many of you, your academic careers are coming to an end. For some, this is just one of many milestones. Either way, it is important to use today as an opportunity to take stock of your mission. Our culture is suffering. We all see it. It doesn't matter which political persuasion you sit on or whether you are a person of deep faith or not. Anyone with eyes can see that something is off. Studies have shown one of the many negative effects of the pandemic is that a lot of young adults feel a sense of loneliness, anxiety, and depression, despite technology that has connected us more than ever before. 
It would seem the more connected people are to one another, the more they feel alone. I'm not sure the root of this, but at least I can offer one controversial antidote that I believe will have a lasting impact for generations to come. Get married and start a family. Wow. I will say this is the, the most important ring I have right here. Having kicked the game-winning field goal in both the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl, I have received a great deal of praise for these successes. They just announced that this Super Bowl was the most watched football game of all time, and yet all of this happiness is temporary. And the truth is, none of these accomplishments mean anything compared to the happiness I have found in my marriage and in starting a family. My confidence as a husband and father, and yes, even as a football player, is rooted in my marriage with my wife as we leave our mark on future generations by the children we bring into the world. How much greater of a legacy can anyone leave than that? Sadly, we are encouraged to live our lives for ourselves, to move from one thing to another with no long-term commitment, to have loyalty for nothing but ourselves and sacrifice only when it suits our own interests. This loneliness is rooted in the lies being sold about self-dependence and prioritizing our career over important relationships. There you have it, Dr. Bradley. He literally um, presented marriage and family or parenting as anecdotes to the loneliness crisis we're facing. He urged graduates to find a life partner rather than achieving financial success. He said, my confidence as a husband and father, and yes, even as a football player, is rooted in my marriage with my wife as we leave our mark on future generations by having children together. How much greater legacy can anyone leave than that? And he highlights his wedding ring as much more precious than any other rings that he's obtained. Uh, this guy's a hero and pointing to the real solutions. Georgia Tech didn't know how to handle it, doctor. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, they're, all of their accolades are on uh, kind of the, the worldly realm. Uh, you know, this, this foundational basis of the whole purpose of humanity and life, you know, we're here for a purpose, a reason God put us here. He has a plan. And the world is just absolutely magnificently capable of distracting us from that. And uh, a college education absolutely is probably a central theme of that destruction. Uh, this pandemic thing, the, the wars and rumors of wars that we're constantly in, everything is a, a false voice calling to us. Uh, people are, are looking in the wrong places. And, and it takes devoted effort, love, a depth in uh, areas that you never can imagine if you're going to make a marriage work in today's world because there's so many distractions. This partnership, this oneness and everything is, is seems to be so rare today. This is kind of related again, I guess. This, this, this week um, I heard a sad tale, a young man that uh, we've had in our home and uh, uh, I mean, we've known him for years. I mean, I'm, I don't know his exact age, but he's about 40 and you can kind of place this 
in Afghanistan based upon, upon that aging. Um, uh, those comrades in arms, those brotherhood of guys that he served with in Afghanistan, 12 of them, 12 of them have committed suicide. And he's been on the edge and verge of that because in heart of hearts, we, I think, really know what's right and what's wrong. And as a nation, we have been pursuing the wrong things for so long. We have held out the carrot for the wrong, uh, you know, praise and glory of the world for so long. We have made military adventurism the central of our nation. We have and made when we and when we fortunes. force people to do things that they know are wrong to the point where their conscience just gets the best of them, then it's very difficult. Harrison Butker, though, told this year's graduates from Georgia Tech that hey, the most significant thing he's done is get married and have kids. Yeah. Uh, that I just find that fascinating. Number one, for him to understand all that. You know, uh, the lure of the world is so great, but he gets it. And to two, then have the guts to stand up in front of Georgia Tech and say all that. Uh, I am super impressed with his willingness to stand up. He talked about being a husband and a father um, as being more important than uh, the football field and everything else. That's where he gets big money. That's where he gets you know everything he knows. So I wanted to end on that positive note because I believe that's an example. We need more people to stand up and more examples. Next hour. I want to talk about, I don't know if you know what SageCon is. I don't. All right. Well, you're going to learn about SageCons. It's on behalf of Faith, Family, and Freedom. And I'm going to give you guys the website so you can check it out on the break. When we come back, we're going to talk about it. PrayVoteStand.org, Dr. Bradley. PrayVoteStand.org. Check it out. And I want to talk about this next hour. We're going to talk about the schedule. We're going to talk about the speakers. We're going to talk about all of it. And we're going to give our perspective on it and more. Um, this is Critical Stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Hour one in the can. FreedomsRisingSun.com to learn about Dr. Bradley's Collegiate Series to Preserve the Nation. Not to mention his weekly webinars, Q&As on the Constitution, and a whole lot more. FreedomsRisingSun.com. Check it out. LibertyRoundTable.com. LovingLiberty.net. Thank our syndicator for all they do. Donate to us liberally. Every penny will be used to promote God, family, and country. Got it? We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Roads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is indeed the broadcast from May twelfth in the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-three. This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. The checks and balances put in the supreme law of the land, brilliant, and the solution to the problems we face today. It is about God, family, and country. It is about rejecting revolution and standing for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. All right, listen. Listen carefully to me. 
You know what? The Patriots, uh, sadly, seem so divided on everything. Everything we do, we work on our own. We just dig in and put our head down and go to work, and we try to make a difference. And it's good. I don't mean to down those efforts. I support those efforts. The problem is the liberals have worked out something where they all work together on something. They just do. Uh, The people that have money put money in. The people that don't have money go to work. And they just collaborate and work on it, and they just move the ball down the field so relentlessly it's shocking to me and you would think the conservatives could do that but they don't the conservatives are so divided it's not even funny i don't understand why except for i guess we're an independent lot might be the only explanation Uh, but you know what i am learning more and more about different groups and trying to uh, to partner with them trying to understand trying to and i may not agree with them all the time the problem is though you know what when people have uh fundamental fatal flaws it's hard to want to work with them right when it's just like are you kidding me right now if i work on them on on this other area might people believe that i you know agree with them on the fundamental flaw or that you know the fatal flaw how do i and so we back off and we don't work with people Uh, but we need to do that more and i i know this has been going on since 2006 and i guess it's every year um, but I really want to highlight it and talk about it with Dr. Scott Bradley today. The website that I'm talking about and the event that I'm talking about is called PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. And uh, it's interesting. They've been having their event for a long time, since 2006, as I mentioned. And, you know, the Christian world and the, quote, patriot world seems to be that there's I don't know if you want to call it the commercial world versus Christian, whatever. But for a long time, they just haven't really worked together either. If you're in one camp, you don't really hear about what the other camp is doing. But they say that this is a national gathering of spiritual active, spiritually active, governance-engaged conservatives. That's sage cons. Um, they say it was often or awesome. It's been going on for a long time. They've got sponsors. They've got all kinds of stuff. It's a big event. It's going on this year, September 15th through the 17th, 2023. September 15th to the 17th, 2023. And so what I thought we would do today is have Dr. Bradley and I look at this website and talk about it. I want to talk about the issues that we never work together. I want to talk about this versus, say, Freedom Fest. That's... um. Skousen's organization. It's going to be happening in Memphis in July. You know, these people have these big conventions. Are they worth going to? You know what? Are they worth speaking at? Or are they worth attending? Are they worth broadcasting live from? You know, for me to go to one of these events, it's probably going to cost me three, dollars $4,000, $5,000, maybe six, seven, depending on uh, how much the hotels are, depending on what flight prices are, depending on how much it is for an entrance fee or a sponsorship if I need to get a booth or a table. Or do I just go and not broadcast live and walk around? Or do I say it's a waste of time and not attend at all? So, Dr. Bradley, welcome to the broadcast, first of all, sir. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it is uh, it is an interesting kind of thing. As we went through the break at the top of the hour, I, I took a little look. I had not heard of these people. Uh, the uh, time they're having it here in September is the 236th anniversary of the signing of the U.S. Constitution, which uh, I, th- I think they ought to maybe 
kind of pick up on that and focus on it. Uh, they've got, uh, according to the look I got on this website, they've got 28 speakers that have been uh, invited. Seven at this point have agreed to be there. It's understandable. We're still months away from that, and there are probably people that are that are uh, evaluating their schedule, and, and maybe some people uh, would have a hard time committing that far in advance. Um, I know, for example, for me, historically, the 17th of September, the anniversary of the signing of the Constitution, I absolutely would not be able to attend because uh, of historically. That's not saying today uh, because uh, I'm not participating in a lot of these things right now uh, for a lot of reasons. But the point of the matter is I was absolutely committed to be at other speaking events uh, during that time. So uh, it's not surprising. Maybe I haven't seen them or anything like that. They had about 50 speakers, it looks like, last year. Some of them, in my mind, are very questionable in terms of their devotion to saving the nation. But, as you point out, maybe there's some things we can work with them on, on some good things that might bring that about. But as you point out, some of them do have fatal flaws in terms of, uh, uh, very. It, it worries me uh, gravely that some of them are committed to things that I know will destroy the nation ultimately. So, so uh, this, that's just a very superficial evaluation in the time over the break at the top of the hour. Uh, but they currently have, like I say, 28 speakers that have been invited. Seven have confirmed. Uh, ben Carson is, is front and center at the top. And just to, to the side of him is Kurt Cameron, who who basically, uh, he, he's a, a Christian uh, filmmaker and, and uh, media guy. And, and he puts out some good stuff. He really does. So there's really good people that are involved in this thing. And and uh, it, to me, it's going to be interesting how it kind of shakes out. But uh, I have never been to this event. And, and again, it's probably because I've had other good things to go to. There's plenty of really good um, things to be done. And we sometimes have to pick and choose a little bit. But I do believe we do need to pray, vote, and stand together on the things of principle. And I will absolutely... Uh, encourage that to happen so i don't know have you done a lot of research are you thinking about going what's uh, what's your i am thinking about this? going i have not done a lot of research at the uh hotel that they're talking about having this venue at uh it's 240 dollars a night for singular double double occupancy uh it's at the omni shoreham hotel uh in washington dc uh and so you know that's why i say it depends on how much hotel is if i go now Let's say that I got to stay, you know, four or five nights because you got to get there in advance, and it's a three-day event if you go to all three days. <clears throat> you know, that's two hundred and forty times four or five nights already. That's a thousand, you know, fifteen hundred bucks. What's two forty times five? And I don't know if that includes the taxes either, right? No, it won't. No, that's I'm probably sure three hundred times five, fifteen hundred bucks for the hotel if you're going to go. Your flights are going to probably be right around a thousand bucks if you take one or two people, depending on. Two people, thousand bucks probably. You know that's twenty five hundred dollars right there, and I haven't begun to eat. I don't have a vehicle or any way to, to get anywhere. Uh, I also haven't paid for a sponsorship or a table if I'm going to broadcast live. You see how the prices add up quickly. For a five day stint, I'm going to at least need five hundred bucks for food, probably for two people or more, maybe. You know you're already at three thousand dollars, and you don't have a vehicle to tra travel anywhere. Uh, and 
you know, you haven't uh, paid for any uh, entrance fees of any kind if you want to broadcast or get a booth or be a sponsor or any of those kind of things. So I just find it fascinating. And the reason that I bring this all up, though, is because I look at these events and I want to support the conventions. There's the Freedom Fest. There's the Red Pill Expo. Red Pill Expo is from our our buddy uh, G. Edward Griffin. Uh, The Freedom Fest is from Mark Skousen, a well-known financial expert, etc., uh, this group is by the American Family Association and the Amer- um, Family Research Council. Uh, you know, they do a lot of good. They do a lot of radio outreach, a lot of Christian stuff. All these groups, in my opinion, seem to be partnering with people that I wouldn't really want to partner with in many ways. Um, and I'll give you an example. I think Ben Carson's a very nice guy. But how constitutionally centered he is, I don't really know. I mean, he is more than most, probably. He's a good guy, a good Christian guy. He's well-known, you know, physician, very intelligent. I mean, he was a surgeon for crying out loud. But fundamentally, how grounded he is in the supreme law of our land, I don't know. He's an interesting speaker. He's a success story for sure. Grew up in the hood. Mom insisted that he learn to read well and read books, uh, etc. That's what got him kind of on the right track. He tells the story of, you know, he was in a black uh, community as a black man. And, he, you know, he had rage and he wanted to just destroy someone and then all of a sudden his heart went back to god and said you know what i i can't be like this and he says it changed his life i don't mean to minimize his story by summarizing it so simply but i do want to highlight you know the guy's got a lot of brownie points for him but yet you know how constitutional does someone need to be for us to work with them uh these organizations you know are they just wasting time and letting us hear from speakers i see a bunch of congressmen senators and politicians and this kind of stuff you know how often and how much do we want to just sit down and listen to the politicians you know steve scalise or any of these other people how how often do we want to just sit down and listen to these kind of people uh but it relates to the value voters summit stuff um i believe in value voters but again a lot of times these christians go for candidates that i wouldn't go for at the same time is it worth rubbing shoulders with them this idea about pray vote stand i think is critical i mean i think if we learn to pray successfully we vote properly and we stand up and support them i mean that is the key to the exercise when we come back we're going to talk about it more with dr bradley i wonder if it's worth going i wonder how much it would be to be a sponsor there's a bunch of sponsorships there let's talk about it in seconds on liberty roundtable live Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? 
Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, we're talking about the website, prayvotestand.org. They're having an event in Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen. It's called SageCon, um, on behalf of faith, family, and freedom. And I like that. I agree with that, folks. PrayVoteStand.org. It's going to be September 15th through the 17th, 2023, at the Omni Shoreham Hotel, Washington, D.C. Now, it's going to cost literally 240 bucks a night at the hotel. And you got to probably, you know, it's a three-day event. You're going to probably have to stay four or five days based on the, you know, when you can fly in and out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, you're talking literally $1,500 just for your hotel. <clears throat> flights on top of that, etc., And we're evaluating this thing. And is it worth going to is the first question. Um, you know, you want to work with them. You want to rub shoulders with these people. You want to make a difference. You want to make connections and make friends. And you want to be part of the solution. But is this just throwing money down a rabbit hole? Or is this really going to make a difference, right? Because I don't want to just, you know what? I don't want to just meet, eat, and retreat in defeat plan. I don't want that. But yet at the same time, I don't want to just blow everybody off and not work with anybody. I got to reach out and make friends and learn how to win friends and influence people and spend time together. And, you know, so what do you say, doctor? Well, I, I think uh, historically I, I've been amazed at how many friends you do make when you go to these kind of things. I mean, you personally, as, as well as others of us that be at these things, it's a good opportunity, as, as you point out, to be able to shake hands with and exchange ideas with. Um, I, a couple of things come to mind. Um, first of all, it's tragedy to me that you've got to go through and nickel and dime yourself to death like that. I mean, ask for help. I mean, you've got a, a group of people out there that, you know, if everybody sent 10 bucks, it might be a really cool thing. I'm not s suggesting that, and I know you, you're you not in it for crass purposes. But the fact of the matter is, I first time I ran for the United States Senate, I went down and registered in the lieutenant governor's office in, in Utah, uh, to pay my registration fee. It was 1500 bucks. That's a big gulp, you know, for somebody to say, you know, I'm taking this out of my own pocket to go put myself out there. And I, I was kind of, you know, commenting about the pretty steep entry fee on the thing. And uh, the, the person behind the counter in the lieutenant governor's office said, well, Orrin Hatch was just in. No, he was a sitting senator. And, and he was beefing because it's too cheap. He says he thought it ought to be $15,000. Well, that's because, I mean, he's bought and paid for. I mean, 
he had a $6 million at the time a war chest to run for that office that year. And here's a guy like me that's, you know, in it for the labor of love and wanted to be there to, to uh, uh, you know, kind of expand on principles and try and reintroduce them to people. And and the guy that really had the money's beefing because it ought to be at least 10, by, ten times more so that uh, uh, riffraff like me couldn't be in it. So so we have a lot of these things where people that have a great love of this oftentimes are very underfunded. That's one example. Another example I'll use, too. I was asked one time to speak at what appeared to be a pretty large event. I was going to be the only speaker. And they wanted me to speak on Sunday. And I said, normally I, I don't do political events on Sunday. You know, I'd, I'd you know, kind of put it on hold and focus on, you know, reviewing the things of eternity. And these are things of eternity, by the way. And they said, no, 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 we, we understand that. We want you to come and speak on religious liberty in America and how foundational that is. And I said, well, okay, I can come speak for that. They had a large uh, center that I was going to be going to, and they felt like they could fill the seats up and everything like that. And so I got there early and was kind of, you know, meeting the people that were organizing everything. Suddenly, it became a political event. Out of the woodwork, all sorts of buses and and people setting up booths. I mean, major candidates across the board were showing up with their entourage of, of people. And they were setting up. And because of their prominence and preeminence, they intended and expected to be able to speak. And I says, Bravo Sierra, this is uh, this has turned into a political event of, for a campaign speech kind of guy, and I'm not here for anything like that. And my wife says, let's go. Uh, we don't need to hang around from that. They got plenty of speakers. They'll fill their day. I mean, the people that organized it begged me to stay. They had asked me originally to speak for an hour. They ended up cutting it ultimately to, I think, 10 or 12 minutes because they had all these other uh, people, and they had to give them. I mean, it was only courtesy and blah, blah, blah. It was a political hack job is what it was. And it makes me so irritated sometimes that these large events oftentimes become a political uh, candidacy event where people get up and they rah-rah their own glory and everything like that. And to me, I, th I feel like I've been pimped, I mean, to use a kind of a crude term, when I go to some of these things. And I, I would look into it very carefully if I were you. I look at all the political people that are there and you say, well, we want the political people, but sometimes all they do is come in and they glad hand everybody and tell them how great they are and what they're standing for and how good they are. Vote for me, rah, rah, and they walk out again. And that is There's an no question to me. And on one so, hand, that's sad. On the other hand, what they would say is unless we bring in well-known speakers that relate to the value voters issue, that relate to the, you know, pray, vote, stand idea, um, you know, it's hard to make it not political. So, for example, if you look at their schedule, they got a Friday, Saturday, it's a Thursday night, then Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. Sunday, it kicks off with a, a, a worship service, which I think is great. But then they proceed to have all their booths and all that kind of stuff in the, in the hall open uh, per normal on Sunday, which I'm not really a fan of necessarily. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you kind of go, well, if it's God, family, and country, you know, it's hard to not want to attend SageCon. I mean, after all, faith, family, and freedom are there. You know, faith's first, family, freedom. I mean, it's God, family, country, really. Okay. And so you kind of go, man, do I want to attend this thing? Do I want to help out? So I'm looking at it and, and kind of gauging the costs. If I just walk around, I could do that. I could bring my little tape recorder in my pocket and do interviews on the fly. 
uh, get those interviews, then play them back over some subsequent shows. Or I could go there and try to get a booth and broadcast live and promote, you know, Liberty Roundtable and, and some of the things that we do and everything else. And, and I just wonder. So we looked at the packages to be a sponsor. And there's sponsorships, and they're big, big money. Uh, then there's exhibitors, and the exhibitors range anywhere from 250 bucks to 20 grand, uh, depending on what you want to do. So we looked at the most inexpensive one that we could find. The $250 one gets you two passes, and then we'd have to find out what it gets you. You can customize and buy things a la carte is the point. But their cheapest package is $1,500 that we see that's already kind of built for you besides the custom uh, package. And for 1500 bucks, you get a 10 by 10 booth. Uh, you get a little, uh, you know, ad in their newspaper or whatever else. What do you else get? Four passes. Yeah, you get listed as uh, an exhibitor and, you know, people, you know, you get some exposure. And, uh, and Anything else know, in that package? Well, uh, the early bird, oh, excuse me, not the early bird. I'm looking at, they, they've got two different levels. Stand together packages. The regular price is 1500 bucks. You get a 10 by 10 booth. In the hall, you get four passes to come to the meetings, a full-page ad in their lookbook, a program, uh, listing your organization as an exhibitor in the lookbook program, and listing your organization as official uh, uh, PVSS website. So so that's basically what you get for 1500 All right, so you bucks. get four and passes, a booth, and a little bit of advertising that they put right. in together. And it, that doesn't sound like too bad of a deal when you think about it. If it's 250 bucks a pass... Um, you know, it's a thousand bucks and five hundred bucks for your booth, or you could say the booth is a thousand and your tickets are cheaper. I mean, I don't care how you look at it, but think about it. if I were to go, it's fifteen hundred bucks for a hotel, fifteen hundred bucks for my entry fee. I can take four people with me, uh, and you know, it's going to be at least five hundred dollars per person to fly, I'm sure, round trip. So that's two thousand dollars. Now you got fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred and two, you're at five thousand. Now you got to take care of your food, you got to take care of. Uh, transfer to and from the airports, meaning, you know, at home you got to get to the airport, and then while you're there you got to get to your hotel, et cetera, else. I'm thinking the thing's going to probably cost me $6,000, $7,000 for four of us to attend. Well, like I Sounds say. Sounds expensive, I mean, Sam, but is it worth going? Well, that that's the thing. And, and uh, I oftentimes get invited to things, and some people actually say, I'll, I'll give you a booth uh, if you'll do blah, 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 or whatever. And then you start putting a pencil to the whole thing, your transportation costs and everything like that. And uh, and they say, well, you can sell your book or whatever, you know. And I say, you know, <laughs> the margin on my book is I'd have to sell thousands of cases of it <laughs> to have, have this thing break even to me when, once you start adding all the prices into it. And, and really, everything I've done, everything ever on this has been a labor of love. I've never made a nickel on any of these kinds of things. It's been, I really believe, the gospel of liberty is just like, uh, it's, it's part of, I can't say just like, but it's very much a part of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't and That's why we say the, the Constitution the should be the political religion of our nation, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and, and that's why I kind of say, look, uh, I had a journalist from, believe it or not, the Southern Poverty Law Center quiz me down and say, how much money do you make from all these radio programs you produce? And I told him I didn't make anything. I want to come back and talk about that a little more. Talk about it if this is worth attending. Uh, and you know what? Maybe we could raise the money to attend. I don't know. Quick pause. Liberty. Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. 
USA News. I'm Lance Pry. Title 42 has officially expired. The COVID-era policy was lifted just before midnight last night. It had allowed for migrants who had recently been in the country where a communicable disease was present to be quickly turned back at the U.S. southern border. While U.S. border communities will be getting the initial surge, officials in cities thousands of miles away say that they're also expecting to be overwhelmed as migrants are flown or bused to their cities. The government will now return to a decades-old section of the U.S. code that carries more severe consequences for migrants found to be entering the country without a legal basis known as Title VIII. I'm Skip Kelly. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican from Texas, last night called out the president for what's happening at the United States-Mexico border. Cruz on the shoreline in Brownsville, Texas. Come down here, President Biden. Stop hiding in the basement. Stop pretending this misery is not your fault. Stop it. This is not humane. This is not compassionate. This is cruel. A Federal Reserve official said the central bank should be prepared to continue raising interest rates because inflation remains too high and the labor market too tight. Fed Governor Michelle Bowman today at a banking conference in Germany says she was not confident the central bank was making enough progress slowing down economic activity to curb inflation. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office is confirming that former Marine 24-year-old Daniel Perry will be charged with manslaughter in the second degree today. For the chokehold that killed Jordan Neely on a New York City subway May 1st, the city council's black, Latino, and Asian caucuses have been calling for justice in the case. Penny, flanked by his attorneys, turned himself in this morning. An arraignment is expected this afternoon. The U.S. Army training facility in Georgia, known for a century as Fort Benning, is now Fort Moore. The base was renamed in a ceremony yesterday, dropping the name of the Confederate general. USA News. Finding great people to hire can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Their powerful matching technology delivers so many qualified candidates, it's like finding a needle in a needle stack. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. For less hay and more needles, head to ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free, at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-471-7065. 800-471-7065. That's 800-471-7065. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Live and on your radio, Dr. Scott Bradley and Sam Bushman. Vote, or I'm sorry, pray vote, stand. I love the concept. Is there a convention worth attending in Washington, D.C.? Uh, September 15th through the 17th. The 17th is Constitution Day on the Sabbath. They're going to kick it off with... Um, um, a worship service on Sunday. I like that. But again, it's just going to be kind of a regular day with booths and everything else. Three-day event, really a four-day almost because you got to get there Thursday and then they have some events Thursday. Then all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then you come home on Monday. You're going to have five nights in a hotel. You know, you're going to have 1500 bucks just for a hotel for 
probably two people if you share a room. But if you got four passes, you got to have $1,500 times two if people, you know, unless you need more rooms. But two people in each room, that's three grand in hotels alone. Then you got to have 1500 bucks for your sponsorship. I'm going to call them, uh, but I looked up to try to find a number. Can't do it, so I'm going to have to email them and say, hey, you know what? I'm a media guy. Uh, are you going to offer me kind of a deal to come and broadcast live and promote the event live from the floor and promote it in advance? Can I work out some kind of a deal with you? What are the options? Can somebody call me? Uh, I'm going to work on that. But the question becomes, is it worth going, Dr. Bradley? And I don't really know how to evaluate that. And sometimes when I get done at the end, I can say it absolutely worth it. Sometimes I say, I'm not sure. I, you know, I've been to a lot of events, and I've generally found them to not be worth it. Uh, but but this one needs to be evaluated. I don't want to discount. You need to do some investigating. Uh, but a couple of things, as I said earlier, I you're kind of going through on the air the kind of nickel and diming that we have to do to go out and put the word out. And people need to understand, nobody, I, I, I mean, maybe that's too broad a statement, but it almost seems like nobody that has a true love in this has a lot of money. It seems like an inverse relationship. I mean, there's people that make $50 million a year, and you wonder what their motivation is, you know. And then there's people that, that spend every nickel they've got to try and promote the principles. And um, it is a labor of love. It's, it's like a gospel calling, you know. We, if we don't have our religious liberty, we don't have liberty. And they're inextricably interwoven. So I, I just I feel bad, Sam, that you have to kind of, kind of go through the math on this thing. So, I mean, there's other people. I'll give you an example, and I I won't say the name because I would offend a lot of people probably about who the guy was. I I was putting on an event, and I tried to get him to come and speak. Uh, I I had a secretary on the hook, if you will. She was absolutely excited about what we were doing and everything like that and uh, said, you bet this guy will do it, everything like that. Let's let's put it together. And I said, great, let's do it. Come to find out it was going to cost me $50,000 to bring him in. And the question has to be, or maybe the observation would be, he's a better businessman than patriot, you know. And a lot of people feel like he's a patriot. And uh, and it's just like you say, wow, 50, 50 grand to bring a guy in to speak for two hours in an event before 10,000 people. I mean, I mean, that's what I'd put together. It's actually 10,200 is what the facility would hold. And so uh, it was like, I, I can't do it. I just, I mean, because I was offering the event for free to everyone that wanted to be exposed to the f- to the spirit of liberty, you know. And I could tell you lots of stories of stuff we've done for free that burned in the hearts of the people when they walked out. But to bring a guy in to speak that was going to cost me $50,000, I just couldn't do it. And so, you know, I, I, it makes me feel bad. I mean, I feel badly. I don't know. Is it an adverb? I mean, what is it? Anyway, uh, at any rate, um, evaluate it, I would say, and then ask for, you know, what kind of, you know, concessions they'd make to have somebody from the media there and to, you know, maybe do ads on the on the air and everything. But, but honestly, I have been to so many of these events that were basically Republican conventions. They bring in all these people with an R behind their name, and, and you look at their voting record, and, 
and uh, what they don't stand for. I mean, think about it, Sam. If Kevin McCarthy was was one of the uh, people on this list, uh, oh, man, he's the Speaker of the House. I mean, he'll bring in a gob of people and everything like that. And I say, well, yeah, but are we going to be fed correct principles or are we going to be fed a bunch of political blather, you know? And that's what I find so often happens. They become basically a campaign opportunity for somebody to say, I appeared at this, and I had all sorts of applause, all the accolades, hugs and kisses, and it's the antithesis. Uh, I mean, well, it's very similar to a Super Bowl uh, field goal kick, you know? Everybody comes in and praises them. And are they really, really on board with saving the nation? I sound cynical. I sound jaded, maybe. But there's a lot that goes into these kinds of things. And, and I feel like, again, I'll use the word I used earlier, that a lot of times we're getting pimped. And uh, I feel badly about that because this is a sacred, sacred concept that we're trying to promote. So it is. And know, that's, why, that's why I wonder if it's worth going to. And I kind of wonder, you know, at, at how much expense and then how do I raise the money for that? You know, I I really get there's a few sponsors that help me. Uh, and there's a few people who behind the scenes help me and don't want any promotion or sponsorship. They just they're, they're It's a labor of love for them as well. They put in money. But for the most part, 80-plus percent of the radio network that we run, uh, the loving, um, I'm sorry, the Liberty Roundtable live show we do, most of it I fund out of my own pocket. And people would say, well, Sam, you're insane. Why don't you get some sponsors? Well, the problem is if you get the right kind of sponsors that will actually fund you, then you've got to, one, <clears throat> tailor what you say to make them happy, or they will drop you like a rock. They'll control would you, you or drop you like a rock. And I've would you take Pfizer? This. If would Pfizer, no. if Pfizer sponsor, what no. would you say? You'd tell no. them. I would say no. no. Yeah, okay, and absolutely. I'll give you an example. I have I, over the years when I owned an AM/FM radio station too, an AM radio station. You know, we ran sports and everything else, and Budweiser and Coors and some of these other people wanted to advertise, and I refused the alcohol companies as well. I will not do alcohol or cigarette or vaping or uh, Pfizer or drug companies. Then the gay and lesbians tried to do some sponsorships. I wouldn't let them do that. Planned Parenthood offered me a chunk of money. I wouldn't do that. You see, that's the problem is that, you know, these people control you or they have things that are so objectionable that you won't take the money. Uh, but then the question is you end up, you know, you don't have any money <laughs> and, and you fund it out of your own pocket. So I work all day at an IT day job and fund most of what I do myself. I'm fine doing that. I, I'm not trying to get rich on it. But the question becomes, you know, when I when I go to an event like this, I got to not do my day job either. So I got to take time off work to go. Then I got to fund this whole effort to go. Now, if we took four people because we got that fifteen hundred dollar deal, ran a booth, had four people go. Let's say you had two hotel rooms, two people in each hotel room. Buddies get two queen beds or whatever uh, or a couple. You know, you could whatever. Um, you're going to have to have five hundred dollars for flight for all four of them, probably two grand. You're gonna have to have the uh, probably three thousand in hotels. That's five grand. You're gonna have to have the fifteen hundred bucks for the thing. You know, now you're at sixty five hundred. You're gonna have to go ahead and have food and everything else, food and travel and Uber and whatever it's gonna take to get everywhere. You know, you're probably looking at seventy five hundred, eight thousand dollars to attend and broadcast live from that event. Now, remember, people need to understand. You say, well, Sam, I can I can watch for flights for three hundred dollars, not five hundred. Come on, Sam, you're you're spending money recklessly. No, I don't think so, because you got to bring radio gear. So now you're gonna have to check a bag, and if if you want a backdrop for your booth, you got to bring that. And that's a long, strange looking 
case, which means it's probably not the cheapest bill. You know, now you got to pay to bring this luggage, and you know, you add all that up, folks, uh, and you go, "Wow, it's probably going to cost us anywhere from seven to ten grand, literally, to attend this thing." And I, you know, on one hand, I think, well, if you're going to promote the talk show and make it grow, you got to invest in something, don't you, Sam? And if you, and, and it just goes on and on and on, doctor. Uh, but on on the other hand, if you don't go anywhere or do anything, how do you expect it to grow? And so, anyway, I just find it a very interesting discussion. And and when we, you know, focus on my website, callforcivility.com, and promote a clarion call for civility, you got to be the one to reach out, don't you? So, um, anyway, there you have it. Yeah, I think you got to do a little bit of homework. And, uh, you know, the, you know, you talk about opportunity lost in economic status, you know, and all that kind of stuff. The idea of if you expend a resource on a given thing, you've set aside other things you could have spent that resource on. Um, you know, and you say, well, you know, I, I've spent money, 10 grand, let's say, to go to this thing. And could I have spent that 10000 somewhere else, or could I have used it to, you know, pay my my salary and my my expenses based upon my day job? I mean, you do opportunity loss kind of analysis on things, too, and, and you say, is that ten grand better spent somewhere else, or not at all, where I just make enough to live that week, you know? So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. There's a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Some of the big wigs too. Some of the you know talk shows. They're like, hey, if I don't speak, I don't go. Yeah, let's or talk if I about want that. Fifty thousand dollars to be there. Let's talk <laughs> about that coming up in seconds on your radio. In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John eight forty four, gave the left evil spiritual power. The more they use the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1 that behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note two, Henry Ford was a capitalist and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present day end time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the new Jerusalem, Revelation 21. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married.
and have some kids. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to email these guys. I say to them, so far, I've got this draft I'm writing right now while we're on the air. Hi, all. My name is Sam Bushman, host of the Liberty Roundtable Live nationally syndicated radio talk show. I'm interested in attending and possibly broadcasting live from your event on September 15th slash 17th, 2023. We see you have custom packages available. The Stand Together package is $1,500 or $1,275 for the early bird special. This package may meet our needs just fine. We don't really need meals or the ability to attend the speakers because we would be broadcasting live and um, running our booth um, during the conference, right? Um, then I got to just say, hey, you know what? What kind of a deal can, can you make me um, where I might be able to attend this thing? You know what? What Do you have options for media people? If I promote you ahead of time, can we trade radio advertising? Um, what's the, what are the two other, um, other packages? Well, there's other packages about? at higher value. I mean, there's, yeah, give me the, give there's me the two that were above that one. There's one for 3,500, uh, one for 65. Yeah, that's uh, you know. Then then you get some VIP dinners and some more tickets. And yeah, but what like are those that. two packages called? Uh, just a second, I've got to get back into them. I keep bumping out of it because I keep thinking we're done. Here we go. Sorry. Um, no, no, no. I uh, I'm I'm good. There's a there's a uh, firm foundation package for for uh, sixty five hundred dollars. I think here. Let's see. Or the what was the one below that? Faith and Faith freedom, freedom package. Yeah, that one's. Uh, $3,500. But you get some more passes to the conference, and you get some VIP tickets to a reception and a gala dinner or two. All right. So then I say we don't really need meals uh, or the ability to attend the speakers because we're going to be running our booth during the conference. The two other packages are the Firm Foundation or the Faith and Freedom may also be of interest. Yeah. Um. But see, those, I mean, I'm sure with any of these, you can go into the meetings and hear the speakers. But when you do that, you kind of abandon your booth or you leave it staffed with somebody else there, you know. I don't yeah, know. So, I mean, all of these things. Anyway, the, the reason I gotta, say that, though, is they may basically give me, they may agree to give a bigger booth, uh, which would be really nice if we could do it because we'd get more attention and have. Part of the problem when they do one single booth, oftentimes, is you get like an eight foot table and that's all you've got. By the time you set up a radio broadcast, then you don't have any room on your table to talk to people or to put any books out or to put any, you know. So, again, I'm not just looking for spending money, but I'm kind of trying to say in a perfect world, they give me a bigger booth in exchange for jettisoning the meals because I can go eat wherever I want to, probably cheaper anyway. Um, but the two other packages that may be of interest are the Firm Foundation or the Faith and Freedom options. Yeah, the Firm Foundation, you get a 10 by 20 exhibit space. Yeah. So that's bigger, and that's fifty five hundred dollars. So, so that's fifty five or sixty. Five 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 five. five. So fifty five hundred. So you know, and so the, my my deal is, um, hey, I want to see if I can create a custom package that can meet that. In a perfect world, I'd take the firm foundation and get the bigger booth, because then you could set up a table and talk to people, uh, and I'd get more passes, 
but they would only need to be, you know, hall media passes because they don't, I don't need all the meals and the speakers. And if I could bring enough people, then we could all man the booth and a few of us could attend, you know, different things on occasion that we want or whatever. Um, and we could actually run the booth. You know, if you're going to run that thing for three days, you're just worn out if you've only got two or four people running it. To do it right, you've got to have, you know, 10 people take turns at the booth and actually let people run around and enjoy the conference. How do I go look at all the other booths and meet people and do interviews if I got to stay at my booth all the, the whole time? So this is what I mean. It's a huge rollout to consider those things. And I, I only spend so much time on this, doctor, to discuss if it's worth it on the air, but then also to help the American people understand what it really takes to make these things happen. I think when you hear big organizations and, you know, groups that are attending these things or whatever, you don't even really realize what kind of dollars and cents and commitment um, and logistics that, and costs that it really takes to make these things happen. So I try to share that stuff with the audience because I think it's helpful for them. You know, it's interesting. Uh, many years ago, I, I was involved in some large, there were technology uh, conferences that happened. In fact, for some years, one of the ones I was involved in was the largest in the world. And uh, an association, one of the organizations I was very closely associated with, they literally had a $1 million booth that they would bring in. It was two stories, and they had conference rooms. They had presentation rooms. They had closing rooms. They had all sorts of things in that. And, and for them, it was just a cost of doing business. And the booth alone, I mean, they'd pack it up, take it. It was modular, and they'd, they'd spend a million dollars on the booth. And, and so, I mean, they had a big footprint at the, uh, at the events. Uh, other people, uh, it was kind of a shoestring kind of thing, and it took everything that they had for some of these smaller, you know, uh, organizations that were trying to get a, a presence there. And that's kind of where you are with this thing. These large, these large organizations. I mean, I'm sure, not sure, but I would be confident there will be large political action committees that will be there. There will probably be uh, parties that are involved, or at least some uh, associated parties with things. Uh, there might even be some booths where some of the senators or congressmen have a presence to kind of hobnob and, you know, campaign and stuff. But a guy like you, uh, regular guy that's that's trying to do good things, it's it's a stretch to do these kind of things. It really is. You still writing, yeah. Sam? <laughs> so now I say this. We would be most interested in a custom package that would let us bring several support staff to run the booth and a large enough booth to broadcast live and talk to attendees at the same time. However, cost is a difficult factor for us. Might we promote you guys on air? Via interviews? Uh, in advance, as well as broadcast live from the event. And then maybe we can work out something that could that could facilitate uh, this as an option or whatever. Anyway, i got to finish it all up. But that's what I'm going to basically say to them. I'm going to see what they come back with. Well, I think you need to put something like this together for multiple, uh, you know, applications. I mean, this isn't the only thing you're going to. Put it away as a kind of a, a baseline you know, you can do this for the red pill, maybe, or something like that. And, the, the, you know, this is, it, it's a good discussion to have and to help people recognize, you know, uh, this can be applied to, to multiple different events that you might end up wanting to attend and, and participate in. 
And I've done it over the years, and sometimes we've raised money. Oftentimes what I do is I go to some of my sponsors, and I say, hey, will you help us go? And, uh, you know, we'll promote you at this event or whatever, and we'll do this and that. And, you know, a lot of times I've been able to raise the money and attend some of these things. But, man, it's just getting prohibitive. Um, If you want to travel, very often, very many places, it just costs a bundle to get done. My gosh, think about if we went to an event like this once a month, you'd need literally seven grand a month just for that alone. hundred grand a year just for that alone. What you'd really need is a a staff that did an event staff. I mean, a group that that put it together, ran the logistics of it, uh, went and put up their... uh, I mean, you'd have multiple packages of radio equipment, you know, with soundboards and all that kind of stuff. I mean, people that do this and and kind of run around to these different things, they they really are staffed up for it. And for you to do this out of your back pocket, Sam... (laughs) And take this out of your hide, if you will, where you have to put your regular day job on hold in order to go. I mean, people don't realize. I mean, this is a, this is stuff that all the behind-the-scenes things, that they look like they're all a well-oiled machine. Yeah, there's usually a lot of money involved in it. And this isn't something that people that are in this for the, for the right reasons often don't have that money. It's just amazing. Anyway, uh, maybe some big sponsors will come out of the woodwork for you now. Somebody will say, hey, you know what? I liked what you were saying. I like your motivation. Uh, how can I help? You know, I mean, holy cow. You know, you might just find some people that are really properly motivated, you know. Yes. Uh, anyway, I, I, I don't know, but I, I, I'm pretty interested in attending things like this because I believe that the reach out is really vital. You know, how can you really, um, you know, you can produce a lot of uh, interviews, a lot of content for the radio. You can reach out and make friends with people that, you know what, you don't get to um, interview these people often. But when you're there and you've got this organization helping promote, you know, hey, we've got these list of speakers or these list of, um, you know, heavy hitters that are here that, you know, are interested in, in, in the media reach out and everything else. Then you start getting opportunities. Once they've been on your program before, it's easier to get them back. It's easier to uh, use those guests that we've had these people on. Can you come on too? You know, it changes the game in meaningful ways. Well, you know, uh, a, 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 more than a dozen years ago when I did a little, you know, radio program and you're uh, fully involved and w- well aware of all of that, but I had a stable of people that uh, I can, I constantly went to. I mean, subject matter experts. I mean, whether it was upper atmospheric experts for climate stuff or or there was something having to do with you know some other scientific issue or or maybe there was a tax issue or a medical issue or or you know some kind of a uh, a business issue i mean i had a uh, if you will a stable of go-to people you know you didn't need them on every every week or maybe even every month but every couple of months should bring them on for a, a segment and you'd if you can make those kind of contacts and bring people in that uh, they say, hey, I know Sam. Yeah, I'll do another interview with Sam. Uh, Sam could say, hey, c- can you come on on the third Thursday of whatever month and and uh, talk to me for a minute about this or that or the other? And I think it spices up the program. And so it, it uh, gives people an opportunity to hear some people that are out there trying to do something in this arena. And I, I've thoroughly enjoyed visiting with these people. They're intelligent, articulate. In fact, you talk about G. Edward Griffin. He was one of the ones that was in, if you will, the stable of people I went to on occasion. A very intelligent, articulate, well-spoken, 
knowledgeable. I mean, all sorts of things I could say about him. There was a another guy I had. He had been an undercover communist for the FBI with their organizational processes through the 60s. And he still was, you know, kind of undercover in the sense that he wouldn't let me put up a picture of him or anything like that when I was doing something. Just really interesting characters that you meet sometimes at these events. And they're cool to bring on with you again. And some of us don't happen to be very good looking, so the radio really works good for us. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Um, I think might we work together again, Sam. Might, might we work together and create a custom package? And then I say this, hoping we can set up something that works for all of us. We look forward to working with you. Thank you, Sam Bushman. Uh, and I give my phone number. I'm thinking about kind of starting with that and seeing if we can't put something together and go. And then I'm thinking about seeing if the listeners will help us put the money together to go. You know, I know he said $10. Um, you know, it'd probably $10, you'd probably need a thousand people to give 10 bucks to make it happen. That's all it would sure. take. Or if you said $100, what would it take? 100 people to make it happen? Yeah. Somewhere in between that, you know, I'm kind of envisioning. Uh, but maybe we could do this and broadcast live from there. And, you know, we've got to start to reach out and work with people. The clarion call for civility has got to be more than just let's get along and be kind. It means let's work together for solutions, right? As we promote God, family, and country. Thank you, Dr. Scott Bradley. FreedomsRisingSun.com. LibertyRoundTable.com. LovingLiberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.